Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished entrepreneur, a podcast host from the US, Elizabeth Alfano. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Thank you. Elizabeth is the Chief Executive Officer of Wedge Tech Invest. She's one of the foremost plant-based business experts in North America. She's the host of a podcast named The Plant-Based Business Hour, and she's earlier worked for IBM and Kellogg Technology and Food together. Uh, so Elizabeth, let's talk about Wedge Tech Invest. Tell me about the venture. Yes. Um, again, thank you for having me. Just thrilled to be here and happy to talk about it with you. Thank you for your interest. So VegTech Invest is a registered investment advisory. We advise the um, ETF VegTech Plant-Based Innovation and Climate. The mm -hmm. ticker is EATV, E-A-T-V. And the reason my partner and I, Dr. Sasha Goodman, started this is because we as investors, we were dabbling in venture, but venture takes a lot of money. Mm. Um, and we just felt like we couldn't attain as much as we really wanted to. And we couldn't mm. diversify the risk. And it's much riskier venture than the public markets. Mm -hmm. We wanted to put our dollars into the public markets, but only for companies that were innovating with mm. plants to create animal-free products for sustainable consumption. Mm -hmm. We believe, Dr. Sasha Goodman and I, my partner, that that's where the world is going. And okay. we can talk about that. There's so yeah. many interesting business reasons for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we couldn't find this product. Mm -hmm. So we thought, OK, we will take the steps to get on the New York Stock Exchange mm -hmm. and launch an ETF. And to do that, we started with our company, VegTech Invest. And mm -hmm. then from there, we advise our ETF, VegTech Plant-Based Innovation and Climate ETF, the ticker EV. Now, just one more thing before I let you pop in, of course. Investment involves risk. So I'm not telling people to do anything. Oh, absolutely. Everyone, you must do your own research on anything that you do. Absolutely. I will also add that the purpose of my conversation with Elizabeth is not to solicit any investments. Mm -hmm. It's just to take her knowledge and experience in the field of vegan foods, vegetarian foods, and the industry. So thank you for clarifying that. So, uh, Tell me, uh, vegetarian food, plant-based food, veg tech businesses are now really, really hot all over the world. Yes. What is changing uh, the, the taste profile or uh, the awareness profile of uh, potential consumers? Yeah, I love this question. And I'm going to do a deep dive. Mm -hmm. I'm just remembering quickly in the back of my head, compliance always wants me to say that if anybody does decide to go looking into veg tech, mm -hmm. I want you to have all the information so that you educate yourselves and the decision is up to you. Sure. So to get your hands on a prospectus so that you can read and have information, you can go to eatv.vegtechinvest.com. I do this because compliance wants me to mm -hmm. make sure that if ever I talk about anything, everybody has all the sure. information. Sure. Okay, so why are people so interested in vegan and vegetarian foods mm -hmm. all of a sudden? Well, let's think about this. So um, you've been a vegetarian your whole life. Okay. I've been vegan for, or, or for a very long time, for mm -hmm. the majority of your life, a good portion of your life. I've been vegan for quite a long time. 
we make up actually a small portion of the world. So about 6% of the world is vegetarian, about 3% is vegan, give or take, people say somewhere between seven and 11%. Mm -hmm. It's it's a percentage, you know, it's a good percentage, but it's not moving the needle. Mm -hmm. Then you look at the younger generations, millennials and Gen Z, Mm -hmm. and they're starting to make the connection between the environment, sustainability, and what they eat. Mm -hmm. And everyone's talking about climate change, But, and we can talk about this if you'd like to, you will never impact climate change if you don't address our food supply system. You you can't, you you can't have a positive impact on the environment without addressing the egregious nature of our current Mm -hmm. food supply Mm -hmm. system. So the younger generations are thinking about this. And then at the same time, older generations, they've heard it for quite a while now from their doctor, like cut out the red meat, Mm -hmm. cut out the red meat. So you have these these consumers that are aligning their dollars Mm -hmm. with their values when they go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. They are a significant chunk. I'm going to say like 36% have tried um, or even even I mean, more have tried like 76% of people have tried plant based options, but Mm -hmm. 36% give or take consider themselves what we call flexitarians. Like, I think I'll work out the meat. I think I'll work in more veggies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that is now a considerable portion and then you add those to the vegans and vegetarians you have a, a sizable an amount is that enough to change the entire global food supply system not exactly but we're mm-hmm. close what pushes us over the um the finish line if you will mm-hmm. is that industry also realizes mm-hmm. that animal agriculture is a very inefficient business model mm-hmm. so think about this we have trees that we love. These trees yeah. pull carbon from the air. Okay, mm. well, we cut down these trees to grow grain, mm. grain that has fiber, that has protein. Do we feed this food to people? Mm-hmm. No, mm. we feed it to animals. animals. And mm. animals need time, land, water. They still need more food because they take mm. nine months to a mm. year and a half. Mm. Got to cut down more trees. Again, we need those trees because of carbon, but okay, pulling carbon Mm -hmm. from the air, but okay, Mm -hmm. we cut them down, grow more. It's just very inefficient. And as the UN states, we're Mm. going from about 8 billion people today to Mm. 10 billion people by 2050, you're not getting more land Mm. and you're not getting more water. So as industry thinks about how to run a better business, Mm -hmm. they know that they have to be more efficient with their resources and plants are an extremely efficient way of feeding 10 billion people. Amazing, amazing. So, you know, uh, before I go further, you did talk about climate change also. And I'd love to get your perspective on how can a change in this food supply chain actually impact climate change? Climate change. Yes. Boy, this is a very deep dive. Mm -hmm. First of all, we talked about cutting down trees. Okay, so feeding animals not even feeding people, just Mm -hmm. feeding animals is a major source of deforestation. Mm -hmm. So deforestation, you know, if you have, if you have more trees, then you'd Mm -hmm. already be filtering out more carbon. So Mm -hmm. there's that. Mm -hmm. Animals produce an enormous amount of greenhouse gas emissions. um, And I can look this statistic up. I want to say 14 and a half percent, again, according to the UN, I'll get you these links for your podcast Mm -hmm. later. Mm I, I want everyone to see the links. You know, it's important. Everyone gets the information on all of this. Sure. Um, 14 and a half a percent of greenhouse gas emissions coming from animals. Wow. And, and why is that? 
again, we said there are about 8 billion people on the planet today. Mm. We slaughter 80 billion animals every year. So there are 10 animals to every person every year. So it's very hard for people to understand the scale of the food Mm. supply system that we're talking about. So, you know, for example, one might hear in the news sometimes like, oh my gosh, a, a Tyson chicken truck turned over on the highway and, you know, a million chickens are dead. And we're, we're all horrified. Mm. This is nothing to Tyson, right? This is, this is like a rounding error. There are so many animals in the system and these mm. animals defecate, these animals breathe. Now, so we haven't even talked about the waste streams because right. a lot of the waste from these animals isn't mm. even treated. It's just going into the water supply. So we haven't even talked about water supply yet. So you see these things really start to add up when you're talking Amazing. about the environment. Amazing. Yeah. And, and then I'll just say one, one yeah. last thing. There's actually a transportation factor mm. here. So for example, Australia ships live animals to the Middle East, shipping animals to China, it's mm-hmm. shipping horses. This is actually quite common. So mm-hmm. if you're thinking about that happy commercial with the happy cow and the mm-hmm. one happy farmer and all green grass, that's not the situation in factory mm-hmm. farming. And the only way to feed people is factory farming. So that's the only way the math works and it, it's not gonna work as we continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very heavy to ship animals. So there's also that, um, yeah. you know, the, 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 the fuel used for all that transportation. Mm-hmm. So when you, you start to think about how we can better use our resources mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. planet, you realize you can get protein, you can get fiber from much more efficient sources that are faster, um, that can actually be more nutritious. You know, there's a, again, back to the doctor, there's a lot of issues with, you know, meat has no fiber, yeah. meat has a lot of cholesterol, meat has trimethylene anoxide, you know, so when you start to think of all these things, you think, well, gosh, we can do better. And that's what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's happening because industry is not roadblocking this. Mm-hmm. They're getting behind it as well. They're not moving super fast, but they are moving. Amazing. Amazing. So, you know, you answered a part of my next question. Okay. Uh, you know, as I was growing up, uh, a lot of people would tell me you're vegetarian and uh, you don't get any substantial proteins in your diet and therefore you must have animals and I mean I never ate it but uh, I'd love to get your perspective and I think you answered part of it uh, already but there is this myth that if you don't have meat you you don't get proteins Mm. what is your perspective Yes, no, no. So um, protein, all protein comes from plants, you know, so if you think about where the uh, largest mammals on the planet, elephants and giraffes and uh, rhinoceros, you know, they all are eating plants. That's how they get their sources of protein. So all we're doing here is we're taking out the middleman. So Mm. go to the plants to get your Mm. clean protein. Mm. This is what animals do. They're very efficient um, protein concentrators. And what I mean by that is they take all this fiber and protein from the plants Mm. and they eliminate the fiber. Mm. Mm. You don't want that. Everyone's so focused on protein, but you cannot be healthy without fiber. Mm. So really what you want is fiber and protein and that's plants. And so all the animals get their protein from plants. We should just go to the plants. Mm. And I believe, uh, you know, there there is enough evidence available now that if you are on a plant-based diet, uh, you can 
be as healthy, maybe healthier than people who are on a meat-based diet. Oh, my word. Yes, I would say much healthier. Um, you know, a heavy meat diet is going to contribute to things like diabetes, heart disease, colorectal mm. cancer, high cholesterol, you know, um, yeah, you can, because you don't have fiber. This is mm -hmm. the thing. You really want that fiber to push through things through your system. So, um, no, I would argue that you would be, one would be much healthier on a plant-based diet. And for the record, um, this is a personal conversation maybe, but you know, health is a spectrum. It's okay. not black and white. It's not like one is healthy or unhealthy. Mm. I would map out the, the health spectrum personally. Mm -hmm. I would say, well, there's factory farming. So you've got these animals living in concentrated. It's so funny because Excuse me, I'm going off on a tangent. So you just have to stop me if I mm -hmm. talk. No, no, go ahead. I'm mean, it's a fascinating uh, conversation. So, you know, we've just gone through and we're still in coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And everyone's saying you must social distance. You must social distance. Mm -hmm. Now we just did the math. Eight billion people on the planet, 80 billion animals. Correct. And we are forcing them to not social distance. Mm -hmm. We are forcing them to live, but to snout. Hmm. Now, 90% of the planet of living, breathing beings are not social distancing. Hmm. Is it any wonder <laughs> that we have pandemics, etc.? Very well said. Very, it's good. very, very frustrating, actually. Hmm. We're running around with masks. We're not going to work. We're not seeing our loved ones. And yet we're still producing factory farms. Hmm. Um, did I answer your question? I think I went off on yeah. a tangent. And I no, no, no. You answered it very, very well. So, uh, oh, so there is also I'm sorry, the sorry. health spectrum. <laughs> so factory farming, and that's where the majority, just do the math, it's really 99% of the meat that we're eating despite any label, that's really what you're getting. And then I would move from that, so that being the least healthy, right? Because you don't have fiber, you got trimethylene oxide, got lots of cholesterol, and you've got antibiotics and hormones. Mm. Then when you move to grass-fed, if you can get your hands on it for real, not just the marketing label, but actually get that, in theory, you're going to have less hormones and antibiotics. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's hundred percent the case, but at least you don't have that stress of the animal mm -hmm. that's all freaked out and you still have trimethylene and oxide and other things, mm -hmm. but a little better. Then you can move to plant-based foods. Now these foods, you know, beyond meat, which I love and oatly, mm -hmm. which I love and, mm -hmm. and other, um, you know, impossible burgers, which I love. They're not a carrot. It's pretty obvious. They're not ahead of lettuce. They're not even trying to be okay. ahead of lettuce. They come in a package. We get okay. it. Hmm. So they're going to be the next step, but they're still a packaged food. Then from there, I would say on this spectrum, then I would say people who you know make their own rice and beans and avocados and, and red peppers and, hmm. and maybe tofu, maybe not. Who, who cares? You know, whatever they mix together in this really healthy bowl, they're doing some cooking at home. Then the very final step was, you know, people who are raw, vegetables. That's just, that's all they're doing. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's just a spectrum and you want to find your place there in no one's going to be raw all the yeah. time. We're trying to just move away from meat all mm. the time. Just find mm. your cook. Sometimes maybe you have a beyond meat burger. Maybe you have a salad that's raw, mm. you know, just kind of dance in and around there. It's a spectrum. Very, very well said. So, you know, a little while ago, you mentioned that the total number of uh, or percentage of vegans and vegetarians is between 6 to 11% of the world. As someone who knows this business well, do you see this trend increasing? And is it happening in only the developed world or is it happening all over the world? Well, I sure do love this question. Very 
interesting. I do see this number increasing. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think in 25 years, I'm making long-term predictions here, Mm -hmm. but in 25 years, I think the next generation or maybe the generation after will say, Mm. I can't believe they used to factory farm animals. Wow. That's what I think. I think eating plants in all its forms, in the super healthy form and in the the less healthy, but super convenient, but healthier Mm. form, I think that will just become the norm. And I'd love to say it is consumers and it Mm. is consumers are pushing with their dollars. Don't get Mm. me wrong. They really are. Mm. But as more and more meat companies want to have better business models, Mm. they're going to be making more and more plant-based products because Mm -hmm. a lot of meat companies already make plant-based products. JBS, largest meat company in the world, Mm -hmm. I believe has uh, plant-based products. Um, Maple Leaf out of Canada has Mm plant-based products. Smithfield's pork producer has plant-based products. Um, And there are more. So as these companies have more and more plant-based products, they're going to be spending more advertising dollars on telling everyone how manly it is to eat plants. Fantastic. So I think it's this kind of cultural shift that will happen as the business model shifts. So, you know, uh, continuing the discussion on plant-based uh, products, which look like meats or taste like meats. I remember 30 years ago in when we moved to Singapore, uh, they used to be on certain days, the Chinese would eat what they would call vegetarian food because on some religious days and all the food that was made. So they should be called a mock chicken and a mock pork and a mock, uh, you know, whatever, so seafood. Uh, and it was entirely soya based. Ah. <laughs> uh, is it still soya based or are there other ingredients coming in into, uh, you know, the plant-based foods? This is such an interesting branding question Mm. for young plant-based businesses. So there's a, there's a bunch that happens with soy. So soy has lots of subsidies around the world and it's already mass cropped Mm -hmm. because it is what you feed animals. So if you say to yourself, I don't want soy, Mm. you're already getting gums of soy because you're eating animals and that's what they're feeding to animals. So soy is convenient. It's already, it's subsidized. So it's very inexpensive and it's very functional from Mm. uh, making plant-based options. It's very functional, but it's a monocrop, which is not great for the environment. We talked about uh, climate change. And when you monocrop, you crop so much of one thing, you start to deteriorate the soil and carbon comes up from the soil. So it's a, it's monocrop. And then a lot of people want to get away from soy. Um, So what you're seeing is pea protein come into the landscape. You're seeing fava come into fava bean, come Mm. into the landscape, chickpea come into the landscape. And I think from a branding perspective, companies are going to start putting front of pack, maybe not this year, but probably next year, Mm. front of your branding pack, you know, we have hemp or, you know, made out of organic fava bean or made out of, you know, delicious chickpea. Mm. So you're already seeing a lot of this around pea instead of soy. So a lot of people don't want soy and you're seeing the the businesses respond to that. Incredible, incredible. Um, And my last question uh, on relating to plant-based food before I have have one question for your podcast as well. You spoke a little bit about the millennials and the Gen Zs, uh, you know, moving towards vegan or at least beginning to appreciate and understand the advantages of vegan and vegetarianism. Uh, what is your perspective 
when you look at large numbers of millennials and Gen Zs, is the percentage similar or is it much higher as compared to the rest of the world? Much higher, mm-hmm. but not... Uh, I find that millennials and Gen Z don't like to define themselves so much in anything that they do. They don't mm-hmm. want it to be black and white. So they don't want to have to say, I'm vegan all the time or I'm vegetarian all the time, but they're flexitarian. So in large numbers, again, I think about... 36% um, are flexitarian. And so they're much keener on, you know, what is the impact of this product mm. on animals, on the environment, on our water supply, on our land usage, as well as other social important things like, you know, who's running this company and what do they stand for? <laughs> and then they care about their health. <laughs> very interesting. So, very, very interesting. You know, I love your is, term. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I just, it's so inspiring. You know, when you think about when we we grew up, you and I grew up, food companies told you what to eat. Okay. They just told you, this is what we're giving you and you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. And here you have millennials and Gen Z saying, no, 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 I don't want this and I don't want that. And don't think you'll do that. And I won't support that. It's wonderful. They have a voice and they align their dollars with their voice. It's great. I, know. I agree with you. And I'm just going to comment that, you know, I love your term flexitarian. I remember a, a, a colleague 20, 25 years ago or 30 years ago in Singapore, who used to call himself an adjustarian. He would, he would adjust to eating non-vegetarian if he was stuck. <laughs> Otherwise, he would stick to vegetarian. I said, so you're flexitarian is the first time I've heard a term after adjustarian. So very interesting. Uh, so Elizabeth, I'm going to, I have time for a couple of more questions. And I wanted to talk about your podcast. As a fellow podcast host, you have a, a uh, a podcast titled The Plant-Based Business Hour. Tell me a little bit about uh, your podcast and the areas you focus on. Yes. So on The Plant-Based Business Hour, which you know anybody can get on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, I uh, interview the CEOs of established plant-based companies or uh, upcoming plant-based companies, startups, mm-hmm. or any thought leaders who have written books on the subject or analysts who are analyzing these companies. Mm-hmm. I try to, the scientists even sometimes will get into the science behind it because it is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Even environmentalists, as they talk about how we need to shift the global food supply system. So I'm really talking to the thought leaders and the CEOs of the major plant-based companies that are really at the forefront of shifting uh, our food supply system. And they're what they're doing, it's so wonderful. They're marketing and branding and giving people this option to mm-hmm. have something else other than meat is really helping to educate people about how our food supply system impacts mm-hmm. the environment. So I'm grateful to them for all the work that they do in, in addition to their business. Amazing, amazing. Um, Elizabeth, on that note, uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me at such length about plant-based foods, about veganism, about climate change, about all the incredible work you are doing. And you are really uh, an incredible reservoir of knowledge on this business. I've learned so many new things from you today. Thank you again and good luck. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And if anybody has any follow-up questions, just come find me. You can find me at Elizabeth at VegTechInvest.com. And thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in 
to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.